Is it chasing us? Barney Hill thought as he drove down the road, winding through New Hampshire's White Mountains. His wife Betty Hill sat next to him in the passenger seat, gazing intently out the back window. She had thought the same thing. It was a September night in 1961. They hadn't seen a car for miles, and a strange light in the sky seemed to be following them. As they pulled into the driveway of their Portsmouth, New Hampshire home, they felt anything but relieved. Both Betty and Barney's watches had stopped working. Barney's shoes had strange scuffs running down the sides, and Betty's dress was ripped. But most alarming was the loss of memory the couple seemed to be experiencing. What had happened to Betty and Barney Hill? With the help of a psychiatrist, the Hills would recall a shocking story that would turn an unassuming couple from New Hampshire into alien abduction celebrities. You're listening to Strange Broadcast. I'm your host, Jordan. The Hills road trip was spontaneous. A much-needed break, Barney decided. Barney worked the night shift at the post office, driving 60 miles to work each way. Betty's job as a social worker handling state child welfare cases was no easier. The little free time the couple had was devoted to their church and activities relating to the civil rights movement. With both being members of the NAACP and Barney sitting on the local board of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Only being married for 16 months, Betty and Barney saw this trip through Quebec, Canada, and Niagara Falls as their delayed honeymoon. In the book The Intrepid Journey, a collaboration between the Hills and author John G. Fuller, Barney recalls that they left so impulsively they didn't even have time to go to the bank before it closed for the weekend, driving off in their car with less than $70 in their pockets. After seeing Niagara Falls and Toronto, they made their way to Montreal, Originally planning to stay the night in the city, late on September 19th, the couple decided to make their way back home. A drive that in 1961 took about seven hours. Around 9 p.m., the couple pulled over at a roadside diner in Vermont. It was getting late and they needed to recharge before heading back on the road. Barney figured if they pushed on, they could beat the wind and rain from the approaching storm. Leaving the diner around 10 p.m., he guessed they could reach their red-framed house in Portsmouth, New Hampshire by 2 or 3 a.m. at the latest. Not only was it getting late in the evening, but a strange white light in the sky gave the couple another reason to hurry. At first it looked like a falling star, but grew larger and brighter with each mile. Barney, an avid plane watcher 
and World War II veteran was sure he had nothing to worry about. It's a satellite, he assured Betty. It probably just went off course. Betty was insistent that the peculiar light seemed to be moving with the car. As Barney steered down the winding road through New Hampshire's White Mountains, it became clear to both of them that something strange was going on. The light zigged and zagged, ducking out of sight behind trees and mountain ridges, only to reappear moments later. Sometimes it seemed to be moving towards them in a game of cat and mouse. With curiosity overcoming them, Barney pulled over at several roadside stops and picnic areas, hoping to get a better look. At one of these stops, Betty's fears would be confirmed. Looking through a pair of binoculars, Betty saw that the strange light was really an object spinning in the air. Barney, she told her husband, if you think this is a satellite or a star, you're being completely ridiculous. Barney knew his wife was right. He was a smart man with an IQ of 140, noted author John G. Fuller in his book. Barney was also a pragmatic, who wouldn't have given flying saucers a second thought, recalls his niece, Kathleen Martin in her work, Captured, a Betty and Barney Hill experience. He knew it was too quiet to be a helicopter, and there was no way a commercial plane or even military jet could fly that way. He didn't want to spook Betty, but he was becoming scared. The two continued down the mountain road. About 70 miles past the diner, the couple are nearly ran off the road when the strange light rushed over the top of their car coming to a stop in a field next to them. Barney immediately stepped on the brake, the car coming to a screeching stop in the middle of the rural road. Reaching under his seat, he pulled out a pistol. Shoving the pistol into his pocket, he got out of the car. Barney quickly made his way into the dark field. Betty stayed in the car, shocked by what she was seeing. As Barney made his way into the field, he would describe what he saw as being as big as a jet but as round and flat as a pancake. My God, what is this thing? This can't be real, he recalled. Looking through his binoculars at the object, Barney saw rows of windows with gray uniformed beings peering back at him. He tried to lift his hand to the pistol, but somehow couldn't. A voice that seemed to come from inside his head told him not to put down his binoculars. As he stood there stunned, Barney had a terrifying realization. We're about to be captured. Yelling hysterically, he ran back to the car, quickly speeding off. As the couple sped down the road, Betty kept track of the craft, at one point leaning outside of the car window to see if the craft was hovering above them. Suddenly, the couple heard a beeping noise coming from the trunk. They felt the strange sensation run up their bodies. About 30 miles down the road, Betty and Barney would come out of what they felt like was a daydream. They drove in silence the rest of the trip. As they pulled into the driveway of their Portsmouth, New Hampshire home, they felt anything but relieved. Both Betty and Barney's watches had stopped working. Barney's shoes had scuffs running down the sides and Betty's dress was ripped. Most alarming of all was the loss of memory the couple seemed to be experiencing. They tried to make sense of the night. Barney felt the strange need to examine his body's lower half, 
Betty was also having a strange feeling she couldn't quite shake, but neither of them could find anything out of place on their bodies. About two weeks after her strange encounter, Betty would begin having vivid nightmares about an alien abduction. Being an avid reader, Betty checked out countless books from the library, determined to learn what had happened to her and her husband. Through her research, she discovered the Civilian UFO Research Group, the now-defunct National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, or NICAP, who would send an investigator to get a statement from the Hills. Betty would also reach out to the United States Air Force, but to little avail. Barney, who regularly went to counseling before the incident, would eventually share his experience in one of his sessions. It was in this session that hypnotherapy, a mainstream technique in the 1960s, was recommended. The couple would meet with Dr. Benjamin Simon, a psychiatrist and neurologist who specialized in hypnosis. Through months of weekly sessions, Dr. Simon would help piece together recovered memories from Betty and Barney. A disturbing story would unfold. A small craft landed on the trunk of the hill's car, emitting a buzzing sound, putting them in a dazed state. Gray beings removed them from the car and walked them up a long ramp into a spacecraft. Once inside, Betty and Barney were put into separate examination rooms. Betty would recall the room had curved walls with a large light hanging from the ceiling. Each was asked to climb up on a metal table and lay down. The table was so short that Barney's legs hung over the side. During their examinations, an alien they would refer to as the physician performed a number of experiments on the couple. It took clippings of their nails, scraped their skin, and plucked strands of hair from various parts of their body. Each sample was placed on a clear material, not unlike a glass slide. Needles connected to long wires probed their heads, arms, spines, and legs. Betty would vividly recall a pregnancy test that involved one large needle around four to six inches long being inserted into her stomach. This test left her twisting in pain. Throughout their procedures, a Bing, Betty, and Barney called the leader watched from the side. It was this alien that Betty would recall having several conversations with. Under hypnosis, she recalled asking where the craft had flown, admitting she knew little of the universe. The leader joked with her, saying, If you don't know where you are, then there wouldn't be any point in telling you where I am. About 30 miles down the road, Betty and Barney would come out of what they felt like was a daydream. They drove in silence the rest of the trip. In 1965, 
the Hill story was only known by a small circle of people when it was leaked to the Boston Traveler. The incident would become the first ever widely publicized alien abduction account, shaping how stories like it were told and understood from then on. I want to thank you for tuning in to Strange Broadcast. Until next time, keep on keeping on.